This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 1157 of Horse Tip Daily, your almost everyday morsel of helpful hints, useful facts, and practical techniques for horse folks, brought to you today by Kentucky Performance Products. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. For today's tip, we are reaching way back into the Horse Radio Network audio vault for a tip originally aired on the Horses in the Morning show back in 2012. Michelle Anderson, then digital editor of thehorse.com, and Dr. Jimenez offer up some do's and don'ts to keep in mind when natural disaster strikes. And we'll get right to our tip after this important message from Kentucky Performance Products. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Are you worried about digestive disorders such as colic, diarrhea, and ulcers making your horse sick? Try adding Nalox Advanced to your horse's diet. The ingredients in Nalox Advanced support a healthy stomach, robust microflora populations, and normal gut function so digestive disorders become a thing of the past. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages to maintain a healthy gut and reduce the risk of ulcers, diarrhea, and colic. Why take chances with your horse's well-being? Start your horse on Nalox Advanced today. And that's the time of week when we bring Michelle from thehorse.com on. And she, she just espouses great information about how to keep your horses healthy with the help of some veterinarians and some experts from around the country. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. Yeah, crazy weather all over the place. And we have Dr. Rebecca Jimenez with us, and she is our The Horse 911 blogger on thehorse.com. She brings us really great and terrifying information about how your horses can get hurt and injured during natural disasters or human-made disasters. But today we're going to talk a little bit about weather and weather's effect on horses and horse owners. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning. I'm actually down uh, doing my military duty this week in Miami, Florida, so I don't understand what's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) So, Rebecca, can Rebecca, can you start out by telling us what you uh, a little bit about yourself because you you you're doing military stuff right now, but you're very busy doing lots of different things. Yes, ma'am. I'm the president of Technical Large Animal Emergency Rescue dot org, and for almost 20 years, we've been doing teaching to emergency responders, firefighters, veterinarians that get involved with disasters and emergencies, uh, proper tactics, procedures, and techniques to try to help large animals in various distressful situations, everything from getting caught in flooding to overturned in a trailer wreck to um, entrapped by a wildfire or barn fire. So trying to get that kind of good information out to 911 uh, emergency responders. So you're the one when there's a horse running down the street that hopefully has trained the sheriff who is running after it. Or not running Correct. after it and if you've been trained properly. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully they're not running after it. But, uh, yeah, those are the kinds of things that we try to teach them. Because what a lot of people don't understand, because we're horse people, is that in especially in urban areas, many emergency responders do not have a horse background. And everything that they know about horses and cattle is via what they've watched on TV. And as we know, most things on TV are entertainment. They are not educational. And, um, unfortunately, that contributes to lots of problems. 
And you're a PhD. Uh, what is your PhD in? It is in animal physiology. Okay. Um, so let's start out with the weather. What kind of weather can affect horses and horse owners? You know, right well, now it's winter. But yeah, the, the way that I usually try to explain these things is that wind, precipitation, heat, and cold and it really comes down to everybody likes a little bit of wind and maybe a little bit of precipitation once in a while, and we sort of like it when it's warm and we like it when it's cool, but we don't like when things go too high or too low for any of those kinds of things. So um, tornadoes and hurricanes and flooding and drought are not usually something that most people enjoy, and neither do our horses. And you know, right now we are worried in parts of the country about cold weather and, and snowstorms and all the things associated with that. But what kind of things are we worried about during the summer and maybe the spring and fall? And I think you've mentioned yeah. them a little bit already. Yeah. What was really funny is I always tell people that actually horses are very much better prepared to deal with cold than we are since we are essentially naked, and they are not. And they usually have, if they're um, well taken care of, they usually have a nice layer of fat. But um, you're right. I mean, down here in Miami this week, it's 84 degrees, and it gets down to the low of, like, 79 or 80 at night. So, um, you know, you bring a horse from up north down here for the racing season, you know, it's got an adjustment period. So adjustment periods are something, since we have such a highly motile society with our horses, for showing, breeding, et cetera, we have to think about what is the effect can be on the horse um, when we take them to a new environment. Um, and then, obviously, um, in situations of extreme weather, how we're going to take care of that animal and better um, prepare them or protect them from the situation that they're in. That might be as simple as providing shade if it's too hot. Um, it may be providing some, insula uh, some insulation from the wind if it's too windy. Um, but then, of course, when you start getting into an extreme weather, people are forced to make very difficult decisions on here's a hurricane, am I going to evacuate or am I going to try to shelter in place? Um, if you're going to shelter in place, what kind of facilities is the horse in? Uh, how high is the wind going to pick up? Is it going to be high enough that my poorly built pole barn is going to fall down on my horses or is it a um, very well-built concrete barn with uh, hurricane strapping? Um, those kinds of decisions are difficult for horse owners to make and probably going to be different in every single part of the country. And now you're mentioning some secondary things like barns falling down. What other issues can weather cause that aren't maybe the storm but are the follow-up to the storm that you have to deal with as a horse owner? Exactly. Um, just like in Hurricane Katrina, you know, the wind uh, probably is not what killed a lot of horses. What killed them was the flooding that was afterwards. Um, it may be as simple as now, flooding in your pastures may do a couple things. Obviously, lots of erosion, which is going to be a long-term effect, and from the perspective of environmental care of your property, that's something to think about, um, maybe even limiting your horse's access to wet property. But in some cases, it gets bad enough, particularly in flat areas such as Florida. You may have three inches of water. The horses can't don't have anything to eat, so you have to um, change your strategy as to what you're going to be feeding your horses. Maybe they're normally on grass, but now there's no access to the grass. Um, maybe there's, um, in some cases, like after uh, hurricanes, there's too much salt in the water that floods into your, your um, property and you don't want them to drink that water because it may lead to uh, imbalances in their electrolytes, et cetera. 
Um, so just as something as simple as lock, lack, lack of access to grazing and then how you're going to mitigate that with hay or some other food stuff. Um, inability to water your animals. Just, um, you know, in the case of a drought, you may, may lose. I have, <laughs> what's funny is in the last week and a half in Georgia where I normally live, um, we've gone from being in a serious drought situation over a week and a half to now approaching a flood stage. And um, up till two weeks ago, many of my friends in the area of Georgia that I live in were reporting dry wells. Um, if you are dependent upon a dry well and don't have any other resource for water for your horses, obviously that goes from being something that we just sort of, you know, no big deal, we always have water around, we sort of take it for granted, to, oh my goodness, I've got a serious um, concern here. And it's not like you can, um, if you don't have the facilities to deal with that, what are you going to be doing? Hauling five-gallon buckets of water from your next-door neighbor? Are you going to be filling a 50-gallon agricultural tank in the back of your truck? What is your plan? And really, that's what we do a lot in disaster preparedness is trying to get people to have a plan, to think through how much water am I going to need, time, 10 gallons per day per horse, how many times do I have to transport water? It's simple math, but it can be pretty scary when you start talking about people that have 6, 8, 10, 12 horses times 10 or 20 gallons a day per water, et cetera. That's just a good example of how frustrating that can be. Yeah, it's a lot of water. And in our area, our storms during the summer, we have thunderstorms that are followed by wildfires. So that's another threat that, that we sometimes face when Absolutely. weather rolls in. And really Absolutely. scary, too. Not thinking about this that too much this time of year, although you probably would recommend that people start thinking about it now. <laughs> of course. That's what we actually, what, since you brought that up, FEMA has done some studies over the last um, 10, 15 years realizing that the messages that we were putting out to the public in general, and this is for human as well as for animal um, disasters, uh, they started realizing that most people hear blah, 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 and they think it's the same old, same old. They don't realize that it can happen to you too. So having ostrich syndrome and saying, well, that will never happen to me because I live in Kentucky, you know, I'm never affected by hurricanes, it can happen to you. And it does, it's as simple as losing power, what are you going to do for your pump? Um, it's as simple as pr providing water, the basics of, um, of um, things that your animals need. I always try to use the example of uh, a lady that called us one time off of the horse.com blog that we do, and uh, she said, you know, we have 100 horses in our boarding facility, and we lost power, and that's 1,000 gallons per day. Uh, where do you get 1,000 gallons of water? And what they did was they called the local fire department, which was very gracious about sending out a fire truck, but that's one fire truck. Um, and so the, the scale, when we start talking, this is not puppies and kittens. When we start talking mm -hmm. about logistics for large animals, it's large. <laughs> Significant. Now, you just did, recently did a blog post about hypothermia in horses, and I wanted to ask you, know, why is hypothermia a concern, and when is it a concern for our horses? As I said before, and if you talk to your veterinarian, you'll find out most horses are very capable of dealing with um, cold, except under the situations of um, their coat being extremely wet um, and in a high wind environment and not being able to uh, provide them a sufficient nutrition. Normally, their gut uh, provides a lot of heat from the inside, and most horses in good body condition score of um, from a four and a half up to, unfortunately, a nine, have plenty of fat to be able to provide insulation. But when they get trapped 
in a situation, and, and of course, unfortunately, in, in some situations with people, the way they maintain their horses, the horse can't get out of the wind, or the horse is uh, soaking wet and, and can't get out of the situation it's in, and at some point, it's not able to keep up with its body temperature regulation. Um, of course, from our perspective, we normally think of that for a horse that gets trapped in the mud um, or is down for some reason due to sickness, et cetera, and they lose um, their body temperature because the environment's pulling it out of them faster than they can actually produce it from the inside. So that's when we particularly see that, and we talk about hypothermia being something that you need to consider if an animal ends up in one of those situations. For example, um, falls in a, goes through surface ice and ends up in your pond and can't get out by itself, or falls down in mud, even in relatively warm temperatures, cold water will pull the body heat out of the horse faster than it can reproduce it um, itself. So that's something that we always try to get people to remember, you know, yes, it stood up and it ate some hay, but it probably needs to see a veterinarian to be treated um, in case of hypothermia. So what mistakes do you commonly see horse owners making when it comes to dealing with extreme weather? Well, I already mentioned the ostrich syndrome, um, so I won't harp on that one. Um, but the consideration of, uh, let's just take one example. Uh, uh, people ask a lot about tornadoes, particularly this time of year. In fact, almost exactly one year ago, we had a state of tornadoes going through the United States. So I'll mention that. Um, we've done a couple blogs on that. Uh, making that hard decision, do you leave them in or do you take them out? Um, and sort of that depends upon your facilities. If you have a facility that has been engineered for higher wind events, i.e. a concrete block with hurricane strapping or heavy-duty strapping, um, that facility may be more appropriate to leave the animals in. But the average pole barn, the average um, low, lower quality or um, wooden structures, probably aren't going to stand up to much more than a very um, low wind event, and so we normally recommend that you put the animals out. However, if you're putting them out in a half-acre paddock together and they have nowhere to go, then that makes it very difficult to make that decision. If you've got a 200-acre pasture where the animals can make the decision um, to, um, to hide themselves, uh, essentially, they'll be fine. Um, one of the things that we forget all the time is that animals have instincts that help them for millions of years to protect themselves. And one of them is uh, they turn their butt cheeks into the wind. Their butt cheeks are muscular, they're large, and they can absorb um, what may look like horrific injuries into those butt muscles much better than they can if they were turned the other way around with their, their heart and their chest exposed. So um, they sort of take care of themselves, and uh, those kinds of injuries can usually be treated by a veterinarian relatively easily. Um, it's difficult to treat the injuries that occur when a barn collapses in a high wind event. Um, although, again, it's difficult to say, is that an EF3 tornado headed towards my barn or an EF5? You know, hopefully you're not standing there trying to make that decision. And the other thing I always try to remind people is, as much as we love our horses, your family is more important. It is more important to make sure that you've got a safe place for you and your family to um, hide or protect yourselves, um, interior room, a well-structured room in a facility uh, than it is to be concerned about your horses, as, uh, as sad as they may, may sound. I was just going to say, I'm not determining that because I'm hiding in the basement. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My parents have a root cellar out in Tennessee, and every once in a while they call me in the middle of a high-wind event and, and call me, and I say, I'm not moving to Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> 
so is there any one thing that you would recommend that if you do nothing else that you do this one thing to protect your horses uh, in case of weather? Buy a NOAA weather radio, one that is battery backup, so that you know what's going on. Um, that is the gift that I give uh, new friends when I meet them and they have horses and, you know, a birthday or Christmas rolls around. That's the thing that I buy um, for somewhere between 15 and $35, depending on the quality of the radio you want. You can get that, put it in your barn, put one in your house, and it will automatically go off when you are impacted um, locally. You can also obviously get the ones on your smartphones and that kind of stuff, but a NOAA weather radio is the thing that's going to help you when the power goes out, still know what's going on around you. Um, because we're so busy in our normal lives, we just don't have time to go check the weather today every 15 minutes. Um, this is made um, to be able to warn you that it's coming. Well, there you go. Find links to today's guests as well as lots more tips at horsetipdaily.com. Horse Radio Network has thousands of podcasts that you can listen to. Just go to horseradionetwork.com. You can listen on our free app for iPhone or Android. Search your app store for Horse Radio Network or subscribe via iTunes. This podcast was made possible through the generous support of Kentucky Performance Products and listeners like you. This is Coach Jen, and I'll be back soon with another tip. Until then... Go ride your horse. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. Mm-hmm.